fly without folks like that. And there's been a few, I wouldn't be where I am today and why I find such a huge, um, I have a huge passion for now trying to do the best I can um, to do the same for someone else, right? Because if without those people, I'm not where I am today, right? right? And all of us had to, all of us had to have someone that supported them, gave them the break, gave them the chance, right? Or you know, so yeah. So the the really first group of folks that really took a lot of time to help me out um, really started in New York. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieved their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. What we focus on in this podcast is lessons learned by individuals who came from different backgrounds. We have entrepreneurs, professionals in their field, and others who are working hard to create the life that they imagined. Today, we will hear from Nick Szymanski, a New Englander, on his various twists and turns in his career how starting at the bottom, being an overachiever at everything he did, brought him to an uncomfortable place in his life. If you're one of those people like me, who has a terrible work-life balance most of the time, this episode is for you. Get ready to meet Nick and learn why I have fallen in love with his mother throughout this episode. Nick, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here today. Hey, good morning and thank you for having me, Nicole. I've been looking forward to it. So I think you're my first East Coaster that's Excellent. been on the show. Yeah. So you're that's so awesome. you're making you're making I a name for yourself. <laughs> it is an honor. My uh family's actually from originally from New York. So gone back years and years and years uh to visit everyone. And it's one of my favorite cities. So so welcome. We're excited to have you. And I wanted first to, to start off our show, and our listeners know I do this quite often, is with a fun fact. So what would be something that you could think of that not a lot of people know about you, but it's kind of a, a fun fact, a little bit different, and maybe something that would surprise people? Uh, one might not surprise people based on my outfits, but one, I'm colorblind. Uh, so that leads to some uh, interesting <laughs> outfit, I guess, configurations at times. Uh, so that's a kind of an on, ongoing joke, especially here with leadership and stuff. Sometimes uh, <laughs> the guys say, what happened this morning? And I say, well, I'm colorblind, guys. I don't know. Did the best I could. And then the other one, uh, and quite often recently, uh, my good friends will poke fun a little bit. I was known all throughout college in my early adulthood not to be able to even cook pasta. But when COVID happened and, uh, you know, the two or three years, I needed something to really have a rabbit hole to jump down and learn things and just stay engaged with something. And and uh, now it's turned into almost an obsession where cooking uh, shawarmas, I have steak agers, uh, grills, smokers, all this type of stuff. So as I've begun to catch up with friends, obviously, over the last year or so on the other side of COVID, and they come over and I have a uh, you know food prepared. They say, well, you know, where'd you buy this from? Who did this? This didn't come from you. <laughs> you couldn't even make a sandwich back in college. So I use the joke like I became a, a COVID chef, right? That was the thing that I went into during the COVID time. So those would be the two, I, I would think, interesting things that people might not know uh, right out of the gate. 
Well, okay. So first of all, when am I coming over for dinner? Whenever, because I love to cook. <laughs> and secondly, what's your favorite dish that you make? Ooh, shawarma would be probably the my favorite dish to make. And it's also like a spectacle while, while you're making it because it's just a, you know, a vertical uh, rotisserie basically. But uh, I've recently been getting into um, like smoking baby back ribs and all that type of stuff and, and uh, any types of meat and porchetta. So I'm just always trying different things. And what's fun is now when I go to the restaurants, I see something, I say, well, I got to try that. And now that becomes a new project. And then I go down the rabbit hole and watch the videos and stuff. So um, I would definitely say shawarma. Oh, and anything Sichuan. I love Sichuan cuisine. Like You've really gone for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are not like, uh, I'm going to make some Pomodoro. <laughs> no. This is a new level. I mean, yeah. maybe I'll say I, I knew you when, when you win MasterChef. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows where? I mean, look at, you know, funnier things happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me jump in um, and ask some questions of you because... As you know, our podcast is is really for individuals where um, they're looking to elevate their own careers. And it's through storytelling that we're learning viable lessons for our audience. And so let's take a, a journey back in time and, and let's talk about kind of where you grew up, your family history, and, and then we can start just your journey uh, into your careers and and what happened and and I'll well, jump in and I'll ask a, a few questions and and we'll go from there. But you know, I know when I first met you a few months ago, I thought your background was super interesting and there was a lot to be learned. Well, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad this is storytelling because that's what I'm known for. <laughs> so, cooking and storytelling, cooking and, and storytelling. Story yeah, that's right. I had the traditional um, you know upbringing. Came from a small town in uh, Connecticut high school, then went to college uh, in uh, Providence. But I think where really where my uh, journey, that's obviously where it started, but where some critical things happened in my career was right after, right at the end of college, I remember the last week of college, I thought I had everything figured out. I had uh, just passed the certification test that I needed to graduate, otherwise you couldn't walk. Um, this is all the last week of school. I had to do my senior project, right, uh, which was a big deal. You have the dean and we had all these, you know... Uh, I guess I would say high profile folks from the college there. I'd also uh, landed a job in the Boston area. And I said, oh, man, this is this is incredible. What an amazing week leading into graduation. I thought I had everything figured out. As a young guy coming out of college, I'll have a few months of fun. And then I go into the real world. Well, this was back in 2008. And then uh, if you remember, the market crashed. And I remember a few weeks right before I was supposed to start uh, my job, uh, I get a call and they say, hey, you know, we're doing a hiring freeze. And uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, we'll keep you posted. I hung tight. I would call every month for about six months, seven months. And they would say, oh, we don't have any. We're still in the freeze. We'll let you know. And at this point, I learned a very, I always remember this lesson. And I uh, uh, tell my mother I'm appreciative of it. She eventually said, hey, is this really going to happen? Like, you're holding out all this hope. Is it really going to happen? I said, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Right? Because I'm a young guy. I think everything's going to work uh, the way it should or how I designed it. And she said, no, no, you got to go get a job. We have to get you going somehow. And I had, I was fortunate enough. I had very good grades and stuff. And wherever I applied, no one was hiring. It didn't matter. So I remember uh, coming home and my mom said, Deal. did you find anything? You know, this is after a week or so of her really, you know, pushing me. And I said, and Nick, you're, you're 21. How old are you here? Let's see. So out of college, yeah, 21, 22. Uh, she said, you have one more week. And if you don't find something, I'm going to find something for you. And so in the next week or two, I didn't find anything or no one called back in the same story. So my mom said, okay, I found you. Uh, I found you a job. And I said, okay. Uh, she goes, hop in the car, wear some jeans, and we're going. I had no idea where I was going. And this is a true story. I literally had no idea where I was going. 
she drops me off the local supermarket and she said, I got you a job. What are you talking about? I went to school for IT. I go, well, you know, I like this isn't what I had. She goes, yeah, well, hey, this is this is what life does. It throws you curveballs. You got to you got to start somewhere. You got to get you got to start getting into the field. You can't just, you know, hang out and wait for something to, I guess, whack you upside the head, which is what I was waiting for that job in Boston. So long story short is I remember the first day I went in and met the manager and the manager said, um, all right, uh, nice to meet you, Nick. Uh, you're going to take this quick test. And I take the test and they say, all right, you are now in charge of the bottle room and uh, pulling in carts from outside. Now, this is New England in wintertime. So we have storms, you know, and I'm sitting, and each day I would go in and I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't. I don't know if I could do this thing, but this is not what I signed up for. Right. And uh, I ended up being another probably nine months to a year that I worked there. And by the time I was leaving, I had was fortunate enough, enough that some of the folks took me out in the wing. I actually became part of management in that short time span. And then that's when the job opened up in Boston. My focus in on that is that situation molded so many things that we'll probably talk on uh, talk about later. Um, but it it really molded my my vision of things. Things are not going to happen the way you want. You're going to have to do things that might not be the most fun. And uh, it really has taught me to appreciate everything that I have. In fact, I, I have a picture in my office of that bottle room. And that's one of the first things I look at every day I come in. So that was a big critical piece in my journey. Um, and then that job did open up in Boston. And uh, I worked there for about three years. Let me just back up and say this one thing. I love your mother. I love her. She sounds like an incredible, strong woman. And I would do the same with my kids. I think the more you sit around and wait for opportunity to come to you, the right opportunity, I will tell you, it rarely does, right? Mm -hmm. It rarely does. And to get out there and start working and demonstrate your ability so many people, and that's how you know we we major in IT, or you major in liberal studies, or you major in English, and you want to be a professor or this or that. And that's why we all end up kind of in these random positions at the beginning. And sometimes where you think you're going is more uh, an area of you know passion versus where where you're going to go and develop new passions. And so I love that. And I I love the story of, first of all, I love moms. And yeah. I love that she said, hey, no more sitting around. That's not how life works. Get out there, get some skills under your belt, and then you can chase your dreams. And you must be something special within nine months to offer a management level position. I mean, that that demonstrates to your character, your work ethic. And I, I love that story. And I think there's so much to take from it. So I just wanted to point that out and, and how much I love your mom. <laughs> no, thank you. And I, I, I agree. That's one of the most impactful and probably toughest lessons that I had early on, right? Because I thought I had this track and I immediately was knocked off of my track. Right. And I said, well, I'll just wait for it to correct itself. And my dad said, no, no, you go create a new track. Um, And again, like I said, it's uh, really helps me appreciate everything in the journey that I've had. Right. Uh, Because it started in a way that I didn't even imagine that it would start. When you so were you checking in the entire time when you were working at the start? So you you're saying, hey, I'm ready. I'm I'm waiting. I'm currently working here. I'm doing this. And okay. Okay. And so each month it was in the beginning, it was a phone call that I would look forward to hoping for good news. And then it ended up being a call that I almost dreaded because I I had gotten so much bad news because it had been a year, a year and a half, two years. And I just, okay, I'll give them a call. But, uh, and then finally one day they said, nope, yeah, we're ready. 
oh my goodness, you know. So yeah, it was. Uh, so I was. I continued to check in, uh, you know, while I was working there. And then, like I said, went to Boston for a few years, um, and then I uh, went to New York for about ten. And then now I'm back in um, uh, the New England area, just outside of Boston. And what was that first job? That I mean, I obviously I'm sorry, the Boston first job because yeah, it sounded so, like that was the one that you wanted out of graduation. So it had to be aligned in IT. Yeah, it was. It was actually a, a EMR company, so electronic medical record company, one of the top three in the country, and they produce, you know, uh, and build the application that hospitals and uh, healthcare systems use to track, you know, patient data, registration, you know, insurance, and uh, all the clinical care. So I guess I would say my well, you know, obviously uh, the grocery store was my first job, but that was like my first professional job, if you want, because that's. It was in line with what I had gone to school for. Is why I call it my first professional job. But and how long? How long were you there for? Just about three years. And what lessons did you learn while you were there? Oh boy, I had to shift gears and you know learn different management styles or learn to respond to different management styles. I think I was tested uh, early on, which is great, and I look back at that. I remember coming home many nights thinking, "Wow, this is really stressful." I did. I didn't know this is what the real world was like. Um, and I think for me personally, that's one of the things, and you'll see a theme in probably some of our uh, discussion points here, but I think learning how to handle that and learning what really to stress about and what not to. Um, and I certainly was no pro by the time I left, uh, but that was one of the first things I would say really, really hit me. And I think the other thing too is expectations, right? The management said like, hey, you have to do this by this time. And if there's not, there's ramifications. Now that sounds very cliche, but this is a completely different scenario than I was coming from, right? And I had waited so long for this opportunity that I think that added a little additional stress at times because of, again, the journey that it took for me to get this job that I wanted to be in two years ago, right? So I, I had, I felt like I had to be perfect. I had to knock it out of the park. And also in a uh, I guess in my young mind, also, you know, show my parents um, that it was worth the wait, right? This yeah. is why I did wait for this gig for two years, because this is what it's going to be able to help me career-wise and uh, or I'm going to be able to, you know, grow my career in this in this field or within this company. So there was a lot going on and you're a young guy, right? You're still figuring out life, you're figuring out yourself. And I think what's so interesting too is, is almost every person that I have on the show that I speak with, they tie their first job or what they're doing or the direction that they were going in really to impress their parents, right? To make their parents proud. And in your case, right? And and it causes so much undue stress. Probably you're in this new role. It's a lot more than what you had thought. You waited, you're nervous, you know, you're just young, right? You don't know everything. And I think that's okay. And where people feel like they have to know everything, but, you know, looking back and, and saying, you know, I pushed through this because my parents, I didn't want to let my parents down. They've invested so much into me in college. They invested, the families invested in me, you know, not only financially, but emotionally. And I, I'm not going to let them down. And, And it's really interesting that that holds to be such a driving force with yeah. so many people that are, that are, are successful. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of an interesting parallel. And I, it was um, it's very true, and I would also, for me at least, I immediately identified that I didn't have thick enough skin as I was going to need to have to continue to go in the trajectory that I wanted to go in. Right? I was so I don't want to say so sensitive, but I was a, I was sensitive if there was any. Uh, feedback that not that I couldn't take a constructive criticism, I could, but then I would kick it into another gear and I keep kicking into another gear. And and then 
eventually you're like, yeah, I'm running at a pace that I don't even know if I can sustain this because I just want to make everyone, my parents proud. I want to knock it out of the park and be the best here. And I want to do the best over here. And this learning how to manage that, I think was it. And that's interesting. That's so real, right? How did you manage that? Well, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I would say is um, my lessons learned. And uh, I was not good at that. I don't think I'm very different than probably a lot of other people, you know, especially those who um, are in different, you know, maybe some later stages of their career. And they look back and they can reflect on who they once were and how they handled things. Um, I'm sure a lot of folks would say the same thing, but I was not good at that. I, I took work very seriously. It was everything. I moved everything aside for work. And I did that for many, many, many years. And I would still say I still do to a degree, but the lesson learned there was how to prioritize things. What is really something I need to be worried about? And it's so funny. I look back at the different roles I have or that I've had and I've been in and where I was at, at that time, either age-wise or life-wise. And the same events that happened 10 years ago that happened now, I don't even blink an eye. But 10 years ago, I couldn't sleep through the night, right? I couldn't, because like, I, I thought everything was a big deal. I, oh, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. And someone's going to call me, you know, uh, to the carpet because it wasn't. And I didn't know how to handle all that. And didn't mean that it was my, technically my fault or issue. So it was, it was quite a, that first half of my career that was probably the biggest thing I needed to work on. And I reckon it, it took a toll on me. Do you think that helped, you know, your C-level individual, right? So do you think that at the beginning stages, I guess, in your career, that actually was, was detrimental to you, clearly, right? To your to your psyche, to your, you know, stress, stress level is not, is not great. But do you think that added to you being able to move up the corporate ladder so quickly? Well, I've been very fortunate. There's a lot of reasons why I've been so lucky. But um, I think self-reflecting that, that was probably one of the biggest things that used to be, a, will say a negative. I've now been able to turn more into the positive. It takes a lot now for me to now go, oh boy, that's something. <laughs> you know, because now I've learned what is something. I think that's uh, probably got to be common for a lot of folks in, in whatever uh, industry or, or sector that they're in, you, you have to learn what is a big deal. How how do I prioritize things? So yeah, it definitely, like I said, was a, probably the biggest challenge I had early on. And then uh, hopefully, you know, I, I, in my case, when I think about it, I think I've turned it more into a positive now that they even keel and not much is going to rattle it. You know, I I can usually maintain that most of the time I can. So and so you're young in your career. You're probably now. Well, let's see. You were at your other company. So probably th you said mentioned three years. So and you waited. So maybe you're 25, 26 years old. Absolutely. What was your next career advancement? What did you do? And how did you decide to leave? Or were you recruiting? So uh, this is a, a part of my wild journey. One day I got in my head. I've always been a big city guy, by the way. So and I always love. Uh, Boston to me was always number one. Couldn't stand New York, even though I loved it as a big city. That was always the competition and sports and all this type of stuff. And uh, one day I said, all right, I, I'm going to go find something in New York City. I don't know where I got that from. I have no idea where I got that from. And as it just so happened, within a few months or so, an opportunity came uh, came up at a hospital that had the product that I, you know, I was currently working for that vendor, right? So now I got to go on the other side, which meant going to one of the hospitals that used the tool that I had been you know, implementing while at my first job. What was the tool? What technology tool was it? It's called, uh, the EMR company was called the Meditech. Oh yeah, Meditech, of course, yeah. So I then went to a hospital that had Meditech, became an analyst to support the specific areas uh, that I needed to. So what started, I, again, I don't know where it came from, this 
came out of my plunked out of uh, nowhere and I said, this is what I'm going to do. So, uh, so how it happened or somehow it happened. But the same things that we already talked about started to seep in a little bit. And uh, what I mean by that is within the first few weeks of taking on that job, I was so excited, moved to the big city, got a cool apartment, right? I remember saying, did I make the right move? I had a pretty good gig going where I, where I was uh, coming from. It was very stable. It was reliable. Here I am really in the wild, right? I'm in New York City. I mean, and, and we're at a company that, you know, meaning the hospital, uh, that if you don't produce, you're gone. And I said, what would I do if that happens? Oh, my goodness. So letting the, the scareness creep in, right? The fear. Yeah, the stress, right? And uh, I said, uh, maybe, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe, maybe I pushed too, too hard, too fast. Within a few weeks, I, I then found my groove, but that, that common thread was still there. It wasn't as strong as it was in my first stop. Um, you know, uh, out of college, but uh, it started to seep in a little bit. And then I recognized it and I, and then I said, okay, we got to tone this down, you know, believe in yourself. Uh, and again, luckily I've had many great uh, mentors. Um, there was a, a few folks there that were absolutely critical uh, to me doing well there. And even uh, to this day. So, you know, they took me under their wing. You have this, this is normal. You're doing a great job. Are you enjoying the episode thus far? We'll be right back after a quick word with our sponsor, Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC. Are you ready to thrive in the ever-evolving tech industry? The tech world is constantly changing, and ITC is your partner for navigating it successfully. Whether you're seeking top-tier tech professionals or the perfect opportunity, we are happy to connect you with talent to transform your business. At ITC, we specialize in placing first-rate, diverse technology talent into corporations with a particular focus on underrepresented groups in tech. We believe in bringing new perspectives and ideas to your team. Together, we can contribute to a more innovative technology industry. Diversity isn't just a buzzword for us, it's in our DNA. Whether you're looking at bringing on more tech talent or you're a tech professional searching for your perfect role and employer, look no further. Take a look at www.irvinetechcorp.com and pick the best option for you. Be part of our mission to create a more inclusive and innovative technology industry. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. Now back to the show. So do you think, Nick, that that, that you were suffering a little bit from at a young age from imposter syndrome, taking on bigger roles? Or was it just, I have to have everything dialed in? I have to have everything perfect. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I always, and it wasn't striving for perfection, but I always had to be, I, I always wanted whatever I was associated to or doing or producing to be top notch. Yeah. Right. And uh, if anything came short of that, I was the big, biggest critic on myself. Uh, so anyways, that the whole theme comes back into play. Now you add in being in New York City and you have the apartment and Right now you're in the real world. You actually have rent. You have to go buy your groceries, right? Like all these type of normal things now. But it, again, it was a great, uh, the time spent in New York was absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, and talk to us a little bit. You mentioned mentors and mentors are such an important part outside of a company and inside of a company, but to have someone who advocates for you and learned lessons that you, you can really confidentially ask people. So talk a little bit about mentorship. And did you have in Boston, did you have a mentor when you were younger or was that when you went to the hospital in New York? Yeah, I definitely had people that supported me while I was in Boston, uh, 100%. But while I was, so part of the story there too is while I was in Boston, I didn't know what I wanted to really do. Right? I said, well, I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Right. 
Um, and then while I was still in Boston, I began to get exposed to the, the leadership in hospitals and the CIOs. And, and I would view these people as like the Michael Jordans, like, oh my God, they could walk on water, right? I thought they were, you know, like they had this glow behind them or something. So at the end of my tenure in Boston, I had in my head CIO was where I was going to go. But I knew the track to get there. I didn't know how long it was going to take. Uh, but I knew that there was many, many, many levels between where I was going, right? When, once I moved to New York to start that journey and where I wanted to go. And when I got to New York, the um, one of the managers and the CIO really, really, really took me under their wing. It was that, I guess, that circle of trust to a degree, right? I could go and talk to them. I could vent to them. Um, and then they would also come to me, and I love using this phrase, but they would also give me a whack upside the head when I needed it, right? They would say, hey, they'll do what, what are you doing? You should be thinking about it this way. I, and, you know, or walk through why you did the way you did, Nick, right? But they did it always in a constructive and positive way because they, they knew how hungry I was. And they said, okay, well, all right, we're going to give you the tools. And to your point, we're going to share our lessons learned. Um, and that's why without folks like that, and there's been a few, I wouldn't be where I am today and why I find such a huge, uh, I have a huge passion for now trying to do the best I can um, to do the same for someone else, right? Because if without those people, I'm not where I am today, right? And all of us had to, all of us had to have someone that supported them, gave them the break, gave them the chance, right? Or, you know, so yeah, so the, the really first group of folks that really took a lot of time to help me out, um, really started in New York. Interesting. It was funny. I was on um, doing a, a class last night, teaching a class and uh, CIO from Poleg companies, Rachel Lockett. I don't know if you know her, she's written a book and and she was on and, and it was really interesting because we were talking about mentorship as well, how she elevated her career. And she, um, it, it really was from high level mentors that you know, didn't give a handout, but a hand up and mm. they got, and she got that. And it sounds like you got that because why? Because you're curious, you were a hard worker, you had aspirations and you let it show. And I think that's the biggest thing for individuals. Sometimes people put their heads down and say, I'm going to let my work, you know, show for itself, but not be communicative about my goals, my aspirations, you know, movement trajectory within an organization. And it was, it was funny. She said, you know, she's in a position, she says, of privilege right now as a CIO. And, and she is utilizing that privilege to help others and mentor others so they can get a hand up, right? A deserved, deservedly hand up. And so I thought, I thought that's interesting. And as you were speaking, it just really resonated with me, some learning lessons here and why, you know, you have the CIO at a hospital and, and others so interested in you. It's because the work that you produced, how critical you were of yourself and, and mostly, you know, your ambition. And I think, you know, that you demonstrated that and you talked about it. And, and that's the biggest thing, talking about it. Everything that the, um, the other CIO said, it was spot on. I feel exactly the same and I couldn't worded any better. And kudos to you, by the way, for setting up the program uh, that you have. Uh, and thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. And uh, Kelsey, who's a rising star uh, in her field, has been incredible. And I've learned so much from her, too. And it's just become a passion that I didn't know I had, quite honestly. And even now, I'm trying to get involved uh, back at um, some of the local schools and my alma mater, too. So I'm trying to get as plugged into that age group as I can because of some of the discussions we've already had here. Here's my lessons learned. Don't worry about it, right? Learn, focus on what you really need to worry about. Don't let, don't take on the world. You're not going to solve it. You're not going to become 
whatever you want to become day one. And there's going to be a journey there. And it's not going to be the way that you think it's going to happen. That's that's great advice. It's 100%. And so you're in New York, you're trending upwards within the organization, and then you make another move or they run oh, yeah. you out and say, do something better or? No. So uh, it was interesting. So I was there for, I think, about a year, my first stop in New York. And then I took another uh, position, was able to uh, also in New York. Um, and I uh, was able to into some different roles that had, uh, you know, um, more responsibility and a large, you know, a wider purview. Uh, and I, I kind of continued to do that every two years, three years. I was, you know, somewhat uh, hopping around, but it was never in a lateral move, uh, which now I look back and I say, well, that, that was I'm glad that happened that way. And I, I know that was you know something I would obviously consider before making the move. But throughout that journey through New York, I, that's where I really made so many strong relationships. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to run into such so many good people and such good people, smart people. And again, people that would take the time and, and talk with me and guide me and give me uh, different opportunities or, or challenge me and say, okay, well, we're going to give you something outside of IT. This is you know, something so far out in left field because I, I, I kept saying, what, what else is there? How can I help you? How can I help you? All right. Well, you want something here? Here's something out on left field. Go do it. <laughs> wow. Which continues to this day. Uh, so yeah. So it, it was just a great, those 10 years were absolutely critical in my personal journey, uh, just because of the connections I made, the <clears throat> what I was exposed to, um, meaning people, projects, um, institutions that I was able to be a part of, you know? So was that networking plays such a big piece of success for individuals. Was that networking for you or was that more, these are day-to-day relationships that I have? Or when you mention, you know, I met so many people, I, I leveraged, you know, my relationships and, you know, people knew you and you knew people and you seem like a people person, by the way, talk to me a little bit about your network and in in your professional career or even starting out was that something that you actually thought about like oh this is my network or was it hey i'm making relationships i'm moving up the corporate ladder i'm grabbing everything that i possibly can as far as feedback and direction talk a little bit about that i wasn't my vision wasn't mature enough to realize the importance of the network early on Right. I didn't, I, that, didn't, that light bulb didn't go off for me <laughs> uh, until I, you know, uh, got into probably middle, uh, middle management, but that network had always been there and had always been paying dividends just in ways that I didn't, through my eyes, couldn't recognize, or it didn't click with me that that happened because of this. Right. Or, um, so it was always there, but I needed to become more mature and placing appreciation on it and the value on it, right? And and then trying to expand it and grow it. About halfway through my New York stint, so five years in, that's really when um, that started to kick in. I said, wow, people that I'm working for, really high profile people throughout the country, they have opportunities and doors that they could open for me that not many are going to be able to have. I need to take this opportunity to even now kick it up another gear, show them. There's this young guy and he's, he's eager and give him whatever you want. Right. And you show them by working hard. You show them by taking odd, it sounds like odd, not oh, odd yeah. jobs, but odd, maybe it is odd jobs, right? Like yeah. saying, I taking on different things and, and yeah. that's how you show them that you're capable and ready. Is that right? Yeah. And you had mentioned that, earlier in the podcast, that's what you still 
do today to some extent? Yeah. So uh, I'll give you a, a phrase. Uh, my team uh, keeps a list of my favorite phrases, and this is one of them. And I say, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's really when you learn the most is like, if, if I just stayed in my IT lane, okay, I'm not saying I'm going to know everything. I'm going to know most of it. And, it, you know, it changes and evolves. But but if someone said, so an example is a few months ago, uh, our CEO said, hey, Nick, I want you to throw a, a party. And I said, okay, uh, for who? And he says, the whole, the whole organization and um, the fire department and the police department and, uh, you know, some of the community leaders um, as a thank you, you know, for several things that they had done for us over the last year. And I said, that could be upwards of like 2,500 people. Like, I'm the IT guy. I'm the colorblind IT guy. Are you sure you want me doing this? <laughs> right, right, right. Needless to say, obviously, I took it on and um, it was very beneficial to me overall for the uh, organization um, received. I was very, uh, you know, I was very appreciative of the feedback that I got that was successful. The mayor stopped by. There's major, you know, like, tents. It was literally like a mini carnival. And it had rides for the kids and all this type of stuff. It goes back to that theme that I was saying about being comfortable being. Uh, uncomfortable, right? That's not something an IT person would do, right? But now, you know, the CEO, because I always, I'm always kind of like a, a bit of a pain. What else do you have? How can I help? W what do you need help with, right? Uh, you know, he said, oh, we'll go do this then. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll do yeah. it. And what was cool about that and a big difference between now and 10 years ago when I would say that is now I have recognized who I would need to be a part of the team to help do that. So there was a phenomenal team that really did all the, you know, they were the experts in there, you know, whether it was the the food aspect or the entertainment aspect or, you know, uh, the city permits, there was all in the marketing, right? There was all people that we, we then built a team and I learned so much for them because of how much knowledge that they had. Uh, and that's the other part too, right? Cause I was so far in my swim lane. I needed experts that, right. that do stuff right and I, i'll just try to manage it from a you know at, at a higher level and just make sure all the pieces are in the right place that's where you learn i learned so much about stuff i did i would never have been exposed to right so so yeah it was excellent i think we had a, a we had a total of like 600 rsvps and somewhere i think it was about 600 folks and including the mayor came by gave a speech like anyway so that the thing that i was saying is the difference though is now I recognize you're supposed to get help. It's okay to go get the help. I mean, go get that. In your career, that's yeah. where you're drawing the parallel, right? Whereas you were always proving it yourself. Exactly. And doing all the work yourself and showing, hey, look at me. I can do this. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. And then now in your role and your CIO at a large, you know, healthcare company, I think as a leader, as a CIO, you you look at things and say, I I it's impossible for me to know everything for me to run my information technology division. And it, it expands beyond that. Like I better bring in some specialists that are specialists in this area, this area, this area, because as you know, as technology has emerged, not any one person can be conversant any longer in technology. I mean, you have different, you know, everything's going to the cloud and you have these odd new pop-ups and now with AI and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great, learning lesson from your career of, hey, I can do it on my own versus, hey, I'm at a place where I could do it on my own. And to, to really elevate my team is being reliant upon others and doing a good job that way. Exactly. And that's also the other thing I would say is surround your people, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. I didn't know yes. anything about that stuff, right? Like, so 
all right, uh, let's pull together a team and let's have some fun with it. And, you know, uh, basically my job was to make sure that the train stayed on the track and remove any hurdles that they may face and get out of the way. Well, and, and you know what's so interesting, and I, I think you'll probably recognize this as well, is that people want to help other people and leaders who are very genuine in saying, hey, I don't know the answer to this, or this isn't my area of expertise. Can you help? Can you help me understand? Can you step in and can you help lead the way? And I think you find more people who are willing, like you in your career, to say, hey, I'll do anything for you, right? By by having a humble leader who who admits and, and taking away the ego, right? Because that's a big thing with a lot of leaders. I have this big ego. I could do this. They don't attribute things to their team and I could do whatever. And it's all about making themselves look good. And I think when people are very genuine, um, it makes people really want to work harder and help them. Exactly. Yeah. I think we all, anyone could relate whenever they've had someone that they either were for, with, whatever. If the person is genuine, I think anyone's going to go through a wall for them. You know, that's uh, I, I, that's how I feel, at least, right? When someone, and that, that also speaks to being able to build relationship and connect with the team. I, I understand that every person is a different person. There's no, it's not cookie cutter, right? So, and taking time and, and making sure that you place a value on building those relationships with your team. So yeah, couldn't agree more. 100%. So with all this moving, right? Yeah. You know, your mom probably miss, missed you quite a bit, but tell me about what work-life balance looks like for you. Your CIO, yeah. large company, I'm, I'm sure... You know, you're doing not only putting on parties, right? You're yeah, but, you're doing a lot. You're yeah. traveling. You're you're. Tell me about you know you're an A type personality as well. So your work life balance and how it relates to you know getting away from work a little bit. So this ties back into what I struggled with early on. I didn't have a work life balance. It was work. There was no balance. <laughs> as I started to recognize that and say this is not good for me and the organization, I began to work on that. And that a big piece of that, as I said before, is learning how to prioritize things. And I think that simply was, in some cases, is being exposed to more and this experience, right? And just going through things and saying, oh, well, you know, I thought that was an eight out of 10 bad, but that was like a two, you know, like it's okay. So where I've come to now by, and I think it's very important to do self-reflecting and do a, a true honest assessment of yourself. I, I think I've made strides on that. Obviously, we all have things that we're continuing to work on and uh, none of those areas are perfect by any means. But with that being said, I now know what needs focus. I know if something doesn't get done, well, I, I will make sure if, that if something that needs to be done, if it's not done today, isn't critical, right? Where 10 years ago, I said, hey, someone, even though I could have had a week to do it, I don't know, they gave it to me today. I want to show them, I'm going to give it back to them today. No, it's okay. They said you have two weeks. Take the two weeks. Well, you don't need to take the two weeks. You know what I mean? You don't need to do it instantaneous. So I think I just have gotten more comfortable in my own skin and understanding what the the expectations of are me and understanding what I need to do. I think fully understanding my role was a big part, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I thought I could do everything. I had to do it well and I had to do it immediately. This is not... That's just not reasonable and will never happen. And if someone does that, they're going to burn out in two seconds. <laughs> so Nick, full disclosure, I am very much still to this day like you. And I wish I wasn't. And it's funny. I have an Italian mom from New York. And New York. Uh, she's from New York. And she tells me all the time, Nicole, slow down, slow down, slow down. You don't have to get everything done. 
The minute that you get an email, the minute you get a text message, the minute you have a project, it doesn't need to be figured out that moment in time because you run yourself ragged. And it's it's so good for me to sit and listen to you speak because I'm drawing comparisons and lessons learned for myself because I'm you. I'm you and and I'm 51, but I'm you how you were in your 20s and your 30s. And yep. it, and it's tough. It's tough on me physically. It's tough on relationships. It's, oh, it's yeah. never taking a break. I have the worst you know, work-life balance, I think of anyone I've ever met. And so it's really, really tough. And so I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, listen to these words, listen to these words. These are good. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, uh, honestly, in my case, one of the best things that ever happened to me was meeting my wife. Um, because she would see how, you know, say we went out on a Friday night, right? And you're in the middle of New York City. And I was always glued to my phone, right? The emails, the tech. Oh, yeah, I got it. And, you know, I would get that the kind of side eye look like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this is our time, right? And uh, after getting that look too many times, probably, <laughs> I finally said, you're right. Like, I don't, again, I don't need to respond to this email at eight o'clock at night on a Friday, right? right? Which has now been something now that I have tried to incorporate with how I operate. I don't send emails over the weekend. I don't, but this is the family time for everyone relax, recharge. These are your, this is your time to do whatever you need to do and relax, whatever it is. So I think a critical part was, um, I know a critical part was that, and then going through the whole family thing. So now I have a, a two and a half year old son. Now, now that is a huge focus for me. And I'm, you know, I guess it's just probably part of, quite honestly, part of uh, maturing and you recognize right. what, what is, what is truly important. So again, in a different degree or a different fashion, it's prioritizing. Right, it's prioritizing, hey, my son and my wife and my family, that's important, right? That's really important. And work is too. It doesn't mean that it lessens, but it means I can balance my focus and I need to balance my focus. When it's needed, yep. right? When the attention, I get that. I get that. Now we're concluding a little bit of the podcast, but I, I have to ask you, well, I have fast five fun questions I want to ask you in just a minute. But yeah. for someone out there who wants to listens to your story and says, you know what, I want to get to the C-suite. I'm a technologist or heck, even if they're not a technologist and they say I'm a business person or I, w- I want to be at the top of my business sector, what advice would you give them beyond? And I know you spoke a little bit like, hey, give yourself a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what when you hire people and when you're looking for the person that's going to take your job eventually... Mm-hmm. What are those qualifications that you look for? I don't think this is a rocket science or I'm going to say anything different than anyone else would. I would say my what I personally feel like I benefited from was I always tried to take initiative. Again, being tried to be comfortable, being uncomfortable. Give me whatever you got. How can I help you? Right. If you work in that mentality, then your team is going to follow that mentality. And then your the folks that you may report to are going to say, hey, that's my person. I, I They're looking out for me. And you know, I know I could rely on them. And so I think that taking the initiative, getting out of your uh, your swim lane as much as you can is great. And I think another big, uh, two other big things is always ask questions. Do not hesitate asking questions, especially if you have a mentor, right? If they're a true mentor, they're going to love and, you know, love that you're asking questions and, and give you their time. But I, I've been such a pain to the CFOs because I wanted to learn. What, what does this mean on the balance sheet? What, why do we say this? You're what curious. You're curious. Be curious. Be as curious as you can be, right? Because you just learn more and more and more. And then on the, the tail end of that, I would say uh, to be accountable, right? If something, if there is a mistake uh, that you make by chance, right? Say, hey, that was me, but I can explain why I got 
like it, this was a decision I made. It turned out maybe not to be the right one, but here's the rationale that I use to get there. And I can promise you, I won't do it again or something. You know what I mean? But, but own it. So, yeah. and, and that, all of us make mistakes. And if you can explain how you got there, I don't know how many, unless there's something egregious, how many folks in leadership are going to like say, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, pack your bags. It says it's not going to happen. Sure. So I, w- I would say those things were what personally helped me. Uh, but in the hiring process, I would look for the same things. Initiative. How hungry do they seem? We actually have hired uh, several folks on our team that might not have had the complete skill set that we were looking for for that position, but we saw that they were hungry. They they exhibited that. They showcased it. They gave us examples of it, and now we see it. So again, it's just that initiative and and that hunger. You can't you can't teach that. And I think you know it's it's really interesting. As you know, I own a, a technology staffing firm, right? You know, we see we've placed tens and thousands of of, of people, probably more, probably around a hundred thousand people, even more. You know, through our history, and it, it's interesting because. I often find with our customers when they're interviewing our candidates that, you know, they put a job description together and they say, okay, here's all the prerequisites. Here's everything that you need to have. But it's oftentimes that the client will turn and say, we're going to hire this candidate, even though they didn't have every single criteria. But what they said to us in the interview and demonstrated was, you know what? I'm not familiar with that. But guess what? I can learn it. I could take a course. Give me a chance. I know what I'm doing. I'm a hard worker and I'm going to make you proud. And give me three months. Give me two months. Give me whatever it is. And and I got to tell you, they always they always hire them because to the point of what you're saying, right? They have gumption. They have they're willing to learn. They're willing to invest. They're willing to take a risk and, and they're hard workers. And they're saying, give me a chance because I'm here and I could do this. Absolutely. Yep. And that's like what I said. I think that's what's helped me. I've tried to do that the best I could, uh, but that's certainly something that uh, as the examples I gave to, and what you just mentioned, that's what we look for here that you don't yeah. have, no one's going to have relatively speaking, no one's ever going to have every tool, but yeah, it's okay not to have all the tools. If you have these other things that are not teachable things, it's right. either in you or you have it. It's either that you have it or you're not, rather. I agree. Okay, get ready. Fast five. I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. here we go. Here we go. Role model is a child, and I hope to God it's your mother. I'll give, I'm just going to give you her anyway, and then you could do another one. So two role models, too. I'll do that slash grandfather. Oh, I love that. Grandfather was the guy that I always looked up to. So good. Favorite professional book? This one is huge. I highly recommend it. Never Split the Difference by uh, Chris Voss. It's a negotiation book. It is fantastic and has yielded major dividends for me in my career. I've read it and I use it and it's fantastic. Uh, I could right, recommend so it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you and I will have a negotiation. Oh. <laughs> Favorite country visited? Uh, Japan, hands down. Favorite downtime activity used to recharge? I would say recently uh, I got into boating, uh, golfing, hooking. And the fourth would probably be a drone photography. I really enjoy doing that. You're an overachiever. I just want to tell you that right now. <laughs> and, and lastly, your favorite project. Yeah, I think actually just because it's probably the most recent too, but the the um, project that we talked about with the party. It was so far out in left field, right? It was, it was something this would, in my wildest dreams, would I never have thought that that would be something that I'd be a part of. So I was very proud of that. Uh, but more importantly, very, very proud and appreciative of the team. Nick Szymanski, thank you. This has been just awesome. Appreciate all the words of wisdom. But thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.